Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for this day is Hebrews chapter 9. Here again the part that reads, For Christ entered in not into the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he appeared once and for all at the end of ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. You may be seated. Oh my, do we like to copy. We have machines that do marvelous things. And we were excited when they did it in black and white. And now they even do it cheaply in color. Just push the button and sometimes the copy is better than the original. We've been doing it since we were kids. The joys of finally getting tracing paper to copy. The Play-Doh, the Legos, all ways to copy the realities that are around us. And to make it ourselves, for ourselves, or maybe even to go ahead and to offer it from ourselves. Our copying is a part of the image of God given to humanity at creation. Copying is a part of having dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over, every, or over the livestock and over the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. We copy God's creation by making fisheries and going ahead and life preserves, training our pets. Copying is a part of God's blessing of being fruitful and multiplying and filling the earth and subduing it. We subdue the earth when we go ahead and till the ground and domesticate plants. We copy God's creative work by not only having children, but producing godly children, teaching them to trust God's word for humanity is a part of God's glorious creative, excuse me, his God's creative glory, at least it was. Until humanity trusted, or I should say no longer trusted God's word, God's word had kept creation and itself in perfect harmony. But when humanity fell into sin, that harmony was broken. And now we live in a broken world. We dream of the good old days, and only if we could have things set right again, we copy our best, thinking that somehow we can satisfy God's anger. That's what the writer of the Hebrews is speaking against. Because of Jesus, there is no going back to the way things were. The copies made by human hands are just that. They are not the original. They are only copies of the true things. Maybe some of you are into philosophy and know about Plato of how Heaven is where the real things are, and these are a shadow of the things. It's almost as if the writer of the Hebrews is affirming what Plato said. The sacrifices offered before are not the end all. Jesus is 
The Old Testament sacrifices simply pointed to him. Jesus, the high priest, was there to fulfill it completely, what the previously the priest could not do. Don't go back to the temple, he says. Don't go back to the temple worship. It is only a copy of the real thing. thing there's nothing else to offer. For in Jesus, it is done once and for all. For our salvation in Jesus is complete. And yet, after 2,000 years, people still have difficulty trusting God's word. The word that tells us that Jesus has completed it all. Who tells us who he is and all that he has done. As sinful human beings, it's easy for us to go one of two ways. One, if something goes wrong, we try to fix it. Two, we try to ignore it. Or some kind of combination in between. How do people ignore God's word? Well, you know those lights on the dashboard? I heard of one person, when they saw it come on, they went ahead and took a piece of electrical tape and taped over it. As if the problem would just go away if they didn't see the light. You know, but if you're a person like me, you got to check once in a while underneath the tape to see if the light is still on, right? <laughs> well, you know, people treat church that way. There is this, <clears throat> they were raised in the church. They go on with life as, then as if it didn't exist at all. Oh, well, once in a while, they do go ahead and peek back to see if it's still there. On live stream or some, they stop in. Sometimes it's because of an impending marriage, a new child, or we got to get our kids confirmed that motivates us to check things out. But when it's confirmed that the church is still there, you just go on living as if it wasn't there. But then there's those times that we just can't ignore the warning sign. We recognize that life is broken. We would like to fix things between God and us. Between ourselves and the other person. We don't like the way our lives are. We want to get out of our situation. And we demonstrate it by the questions we ask. What can I do to make things right? We might think, you know, life will just turn around if I go to church more often. Or finally get the kids in Sunday school. Or maybe drop alcohol or some other kind of addiction. <laughs> then we're sorely disappointed when things don't improve or even get worse. And we cry out to God, God, I'm trying. What else do you expect me to do? With all the copying of God, his power and authority, there isn't anything to offer God to fix things. Some are even tempted when things don't improve to give up on God. You see, you can't ignore God nor can we offer anything to fix things. We are simply called to trust Jesus. 
We are to trust Jesus that he has set things right again between God and us. And then let that truth work out in our everyday lives. If we fall on our faces again and sin again, he doesn't have to offer another sacrifice. His sacrifice is done once and for all. That's what the writer of the Hebrew is trying, the writer to the Hebrews is declaring. It is just like in our baptisms. There we are joined with him in his death and his resurrection. There is one baptism just as there is one faith, one hope, one Lord of all. We're not to do it again. It is our death and our resurrection before God. And ever since our baptism, God looks at us differently, not as sinners, but as his dearly loved children. Oh yeah, we get messy once in a while, and yes, we make mistakes, but he is our loving father. We are his children, and we can run to him jump in his arms and say, I'm sorry, Daddy. And he says, I forgive you, my child. You see, that's what we pray in the Lord's Prayer when we pray, Our Father, who art in heaven. With these words, God tenderly invites us to believe that we are his true children and that he is our dear Father. So with all boldness and confidence, we may ask him as dear children ask their dear Father. In baptism, God goes ahead and restores this image that he gave to us in creation. His image in us to rule his kingdom. A lot of times it looks like Satan's ruling and all his dominions, all of his minions with him. But you know what? Satan cannot bring people back to life again. Satan cannot even forgive sins. But God does, and he does it through people like you and me. He does it through the forgiveness of sins. And so when someone forgives a wrong that they have done to us, we can assure them that they are forgiven in Christ, that God no longer holds their sin against them, and so we too will not hold that sin against them any longer. We have a new relationship with them. Forgiveness is God's authority, which he has given to us to exercise, yes, to copy. But we might go ahead and think, but I go to communion, at least I have that to offer. But communion is not our offering to God, but God's gift to us. It is not that Christ has to be sacrificed all over again. He did it once and for all time on the cross. But now he gives us that same body, that same blood for the forgiveness of our sins over and over again so that we may be in and maintain this holy communion. Holy Communion is not the sacrifice, but the vehicle by which we receive God's grace, God's forgiveness, Christ's body and blood, for God is gifting us. 
You heard about the woman or the widow at Zarephath, didn't you, this morning? She only had a handful of flour and a little oil. And Elijah goes ahead and asks her to give him some. It is at that point she is faced with the reality of having nothing left. Remember the poor widow in the temple who gave those two small copper coins. She gave all that she had. She was faced with having nothing. That's the reality of coming before a holy God. There is nothing that we can offer him. All we have is our sin, our poverty. We have nothing of our own. But in Jesus, we recognize that God has given us everything. Because of him, we don't have to work to be God's children. We are God's children. That we will inherit the earth. In Jesus, we are once again rich, once again authorized to copy God. His power, his authority, his reign on earth. We are called to trust that he has given everything that we need to love him and to love our neighbor. God has gifted us in Jesus Christ. Today, our Father gifts us with childhood to trust in him totally for everything, and we are blessed with a life of copying him, not only subduing the earth, but subduing sin by the forgiveness of sins. Not only having dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, but over death by the very word of life, Jesus Christ. When you and I are God's child, copying him is a good thing. Our copying gives praise to him in this world. Remember, he created the heavens and the earth out of nothing. The poor widow at the temple, just like the widow at Zarephath, gave out of their poverty. Yet what they gave continues to bear witness even to us today. We give you but your own, whate'er the gift may be. All that we have is yours alone, a trust, O Lord, from thee. Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.